The following is a presentation of the Eastern Michigan Sports Network from Learfield. Straight from the 734, it's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Presented by Folding Warehouse, Ipsy, Ann Arbor. Your chance to get in on the action. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all. Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. There's something in the air, Alex. It might be Valentine's Day. It could be one of those unidentified flying objects. Or it could be baseball. Well, again, I think for your and I's sake, we should probably recognize Valentine's Day. But what we're most excited for is baseball. Greg, you said it. 2023 opening week is officially upon us. Pitchers and catchers reporting in the major leagues. But here at the college level, we get real games starting this week. And Friday is the day, opening day for Eastern Michigan baseball. They'll be on the road in Hoover, Alabama, a neutral site series against Northern Kentucky. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? If you just can't wait to see this team in action, you don't have to wait past Friday because Greg and I are lucky. We will be on the road heading down to Alabama for a little bit of warm weather and sunshine and a whole lot of baseball to broadcast it on emueagles.com slash watch. Eagle All Access will have the coverage. And guess what? Even better, it is free of charge to tune in for all three games. Greg and I will have coverage beginning 15 minutes before each contest. And I know, Greg, you are just as excited as I am to get back and see what this Eric Roof-led team will do. Yeah, certainly. Watched them last year, and they were so close to making the MAC tournament a year ago. This year, they will try to be one of the top four seeds when they open up against Northern Kentucky, a team you mentioned uh, is really talented, can hit the ball offensively. Eastern, a pitching staff that should be much improved, but still a really good offense, but uh, a great time in store for us at Hoover. In the shadows of where the SEC plays their tournament was was where we'll be this weekend. All central time games, but you can remember to, to look at your clock an hour ahead of what we list on the website. So 3.45 airtime for a 4 o'clock Eastern time start on Friday. Uh, game time will be 2 o'clock Eastern time on Saturday and the Sunday finale at 1 o'clock. That's right. So make sure you tune in, listen along with us, and enjoy watching Eastern Michigan baseball. And Greg, I mentioned it, emueagles.com slash watch. But the great thing as well is that you don't even have to go on the website if you don't want to get on your computer or anything like that. All you have to do is download the EMU Athletics mobile app, and you can watch it right from your phone screen and tune in there. So however you want to do it, we encourage you to do so. And we can't wait to have you listening in. Real quick, Greg, I do also want to plug that uh, the Fact of the matter is the only way we can continue to provide free coverage for tens of thousands of listeners is when people are generous enough to help support our efforts with the broadcast. So if you're interested, we are offering game sponsorships this year, $200 a game or $500 for a home weekend series. And that sponsorship will get you more aired EMU baseball, better equipment, better cameras. I'm really excited, Greg. We've grown each year in our production Last year, our viewership grew by 56% because we added more cameras. We had higher quality broadcasts. And you and I want to continue to keep doing that. The department has wanted to continue doing that as well, but only possible if we get the help. The good news also is that keeps it free, like I said, and it's really going to bring you more and more Eastern Michigan baseball. So if you're interested in doing so, please contact me at A-J-E-W-E-L-L-3 at emish.edu or give us a call as well. Yeah, plenty of time to spend with us talking EMU baseball all this week. So plenty more in store still on this episode as well. 
but we want to remind you it is a busy week of EMU athletics as men's basketball will be home on Valentine's Day night. Bring yourself, bring your significant other out to watch the Eagles and the Zips as they will take on two of the top four teams in the max slate down the stretch this week. They get Akron on Tuesday night before they'll travel to Kent, Ohio for a Friday affair that'll be a national TV game that they'll be a part of. And then on the women's side, they go to Akron on Wednesday that you'll be a part of. And then they'll have the game at Toledo, a very tough place to play at Savage Arena on Saturday afternoon. It is officially crunch time in basketball season. The MAC tournament just around the corner, Greg, at the start of March. Eastern Michigan women, they're in position. If it ended today, they would be there. Eastern Michigan men, they're only a game back. Now, the thing is, on the women's side, boy, that like five through nine standings is really, really tight. So Eastern Michigan needs to start winning some games to really cushion themselves and get themselves a guarantee. The nice thing on the men's side is we've played much better basketball the last couple of yep. weeks, have not had the wins to show for it. But if you've watched, you can tell the team is close to hitting their stride. So we need to win a game like tomorrow against Akron, a great chance against a great team here at home. And then pick up a few wins down the stretch. Bowling Green is right within sight in the eighth spot. And so if you're Stan Heath, the goal right now is just get yourself into the conference tournament. And I think we both know the team is dangerous enough to do some damage. Nobody wants to see Eastern Michigan in Cleveland except for us. No, they have not wanted to see Eastern Michigan as of late. Lots of close losses, but ever inching closer to what Stan Heath wants to bring on the floor. Also this week, don't forget that women's lacrosse will play its inaugural game. That comes up on Thursday against Niagara, a noon face-off, either at Cicluna Field if the weather's nice or inside the bubble if it's not so pleasant out. And then you can also take in the inaugural home match for Steve Schramm and the women's tennis team. That comes up against the Penguins of Youngstown State on the 18th. It's a really busy week, Greg. We can't to not talk about the significance of lacrosse playing on Thursday. I was out with the team yesterday, got to watch kind of their final scrimmage, their final preparation. This is an exciting group. It's very much an exciting sport. I will tell you, I am right along with you for most of the listeners. I was intimidated by lacrosse. Growing up in the Midwest, I didn't really have experience with it. I know you and I have been thinking about it for about a year. How, how are we going to learn what it's like? But it is a very, very exciting sport. There's so much passion and energy on the field. And uh, just talking with some of our student athletes that are here, there's a lot of great ones and there's a lot of energy and a lot of character as well. So if you want to come out and support the new team, I would certainly recommend doing so. It's very accessible, free to get in. And they will be thrilled to have anybody that can support. And it's really an interesting sport to start learning about. So if you can make it out for the inaugural game, please do that. It'll be a great time in Ypsilanti. You can get your free t-shirts by coming out to support EMU Lacrosse this week. Now to the heart of today's episode and why you've tuned in. We have two guys that are very passionate about their sport. First off, uh, you get to hear from a guy who's won a World Series ring is a guy who will live in Tiger's lore forever uh, in that Cecil Fielder. Cecil Fielder was the keynote speaker just a few weeks back at baseball's annual leadoff dinner, a great way to start the celebration and the fundraising efforts for Eastern Michigan baseball every year. Cecil Fielder, a great keynote speech. So what this is, Greg, that you're going to hear in this episode today is just really a portion of the speech. Didn't Couldn't play the whole thing because it is, it is a long speech. Cecil did a very nice job, but we're going to give you about 18 minutes of his speech. And it really starts off right in the thick of when he's explaining to the team and the guests at the dinner that 
he really thought he was going to go play football in college, got to the campus at USC, saw some of the guys he'd be going up against and said, you know what, mom, I think I'm going to go back to baseball. So many may not know Cecil Fielder played Little League Baseball, but did not pick it back up until he was a junior in high school. So the interview starts right at the point where he's telling that story. And then, Greg, he really ties it together nicely with an awesome story of resilience with burning the midnight oil. You'll hear him talk about that. And then also he did spend some time with Eastern Michigan's baseball team this year. So he gives his thoughts on if this team is ready to win a championship. And then you and I have already mentioned the name, but Eric Roof, he also sat down with us for an interview today to talk about the trip to Hoover, to talk about the season at large and what's coming up for Eastern Michigan baseball. So a really good set of baseball-centric interviews it's the best way to get prepared for opening day. Get your Cracker Jacks out as we have a feast for baseball in store for you. And then don't forget, listen to Alex and I coming up this weekend from Hoover, Alabama. We can't wait for you to experience the joys of EMU Baseball 2023. You already know Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan gives you access to the largest network of top doctors and hospitals. What you may not know is that with our 24-hour nurse line, online visits, whole health support, urgent care, and more, you can access the care you need whenever and wherever you need it, giving you the confidence in knowing that you're covered anytime, anywhere. We're here for it all and always will be. Learn more at hereforitall.com. It's another Monday, but it's a special Monday because it's finally baseball game week. We're so pleased to be joined by head coach Eric Roof on today's show. Coach, we say it every year. It never changes, though. Where does the time go? Practices are over. Your team is ready to get onto a bus, head down to Hoover, Alabama, take on Northern Kentucky this week, starting on Friday, a three-game set. It's going to be a fun time down at the neutral site in Hoover. How ready are you for opening day? Yeah, we're fired up. You know, you talked about it always seems like it gets here faster and faster. And uh, for us, Thanksgiving to Christmas is kind of that one time we can kind of take a little bit of a a break and, and pause and relax. And then as soon as the new year comes, it's like baseball mode. And then Super Bowl was yesterday. So football season's over. Turn the clocks to baseball and here we go. So our guys are fired up in a couple days. We're going to be on that bus heading down to Alabama. And uh, we're really looking, really looking forward to kicking off our season. When you look at this season, there's so much to be excited for. You return a lot, but for you, it's a season of change. You've been able to, to bring in a pitching coach last year who helped create tremendous things. You had a great year of offense. Personal change for you. You get married. You have a lot of things that you're maybe seeing differently than you did when you first started as head coach. How have you changed since you started becoming a head coach? Yeah, that's a great question. And yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, just got married a couple weeks ago. Beautiful bride, Devin. She's probably listening right now. Um, as you get older, think, you put things in perspective. I want to make sure I'm there for her. I want to make sure I'm not in the office as, as long. I I want to make sure she's okay. She's heading down to Hoover and going to be down there. Her family's coming down. My family's coming down as well. So they're, they're excited. But that growth and that maturity going into it, you're able to relate to those guys in the locker room a little bit as now a husband, right? Hopefully in a couple of years, maybe less than a couple of years, a father, dad. And you can kind of have, maybe put things into perspective a little bit more than just the young guy that just wants to knock the wall down and go as harder, harder, harder. Baseball is a game that doesn't work faster, stronger, harder. Once the ball's put in play, yes, Defensively, you can run a little bit harder down the line. But inside the box or on the mound, on the rubber, going faster, going harder isn't always, it doesn't always lead to success. And I think that's one thing that I've noticed, being able to slow things down, take a little bit of a step back, and just excited. You know, she's my number one fan. I'm her number one fan. Um, she's there for me. I'm there for her. Uh, she puts things in perspective, too. When I go home, you know, maybe she wants to hear about what happened at the office. But then there's some times where you go home and you leave work at home. 
or you leave work at, at the office and, and you got to go home and, and take care of yourself back back with your family. So that's what I'm excited about. And, um, you know, it's just that growth that you see in your players, the same growth that you see in the coach. Right. When senior day comes, I always get excited looking at uh, the roster and the changes of their face. You know, their face, our, our student athletes, their face comes in probably skinny then it gets a little bit firmer and fatter and, and stronger. Then you get the facial hair, too, or maybe the long hair. They'll go through some phases. So just like they have the growth, so do we as coaches. And that's what I've been excited and been able to do the last couple of months. Lots of individual players we can hit on, but let's talk a little bit about the details because I know one thing that will never change with you is that you do pay attention to some of the analytics. You do pay attention to the details. Maybe some of the way, though, that you've addressed those things with the team has had to change as attention spans have changed and as, as rosters have changed. You've got a more experienced roster this year. You and I have talked a lot about how, especially early in the season, one or two runs does make a difference. Making a defensive play early on that instead of making a mental error does make a difference. Those little things can lead to early wins. And I know you think wins are important early on in the season. How have you been relaying that message to your team without it becoming the same stale kind of analytics based message, but to also make sure that they're aware of how important these little things are early in the season? Yeah, the, the landscape of college athletics right now is is different than any time before, right? We've talked about that a little bit. Transfer portal, you got COVID, you got the draft, all this stuff. So your roster is actually turning over quicker than ever before. So you got a bunch of new guys and you got to be able to catch them up to speed as, as, as quick as possible. For us, we embrace it. We just em embrace what, what the landscape is right now. And um, with that, you're seeing a bunch of veteran guys. I mean, Matt Kirk was a guy that came into our program in 2022, may have not had a ton of at bats, but he was 22, 23 years old. So when you go to him and you talk about baseball or life, it's 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 a little bit more, more mature than talking to an eight, 18 year old kid that's just going away from home for the first year. He went out to California to play at a junior college and came back. So he had some maturity going into it. With that and the attention span, you also see just because of social media, like guys want to do everything. Guys want to throw harder. They want to have a better breaking ball. They want to, you know, have a strong relationship with their girlfriend. They want to get their major. They want to have this nice job when they're done graduating. Being able to slow things down and just say, hey, let's concentrate on what we can do today. And maybe let's just concentrate on one thing that we can do today. Like, let's let's just like narrow it down. Um, we've talked about goals with our guys, kind of some weekly goals. And the one thing you notice, they're talking all over the place. They're talking about this and I got to talk about my fastball command. I got to throw more breaking balls and I got to hold the running game. It's like this game is too challenging to, to think of a million things going on at once. Not only that, you're going to fail. And when you fail, then you got to be able to find a way to get back on the horse and get after it. So being able to simplify some things can help out with that. And that's what we've been preaching this whole time is like, let's just concentrate on one thing individually that you can do to help the team out. And that can that can change week to week and that can change as a team. But that's that's the mindset going into it. Um, like you're talking about the world's at their fingertips. It can be a gift or it can also be a curse if it's not channeled the right way. Here with head coach Eric Roof on the Eastern Insider as we get ready for their season opener against Northern Kentucky later this week. You mentioned last year bringing in Matt Kirk, but a lot of things start with still a guy who's been a rarity in college baseball, a four-year starter, and that will be Taylor Hopkins at the shortstop role. Doesn't happen often, but you gave him the reins as a freshman, and you've seen the progression now. What does he mean to your infield and that defense up the middle? Yeah, if you think about it, I actually, we, we did the numbers earlier this year. I've seen a thousand at-bats from Taylor Hopkins in my career. 
So like I've seen everything. I've seen the skinny Taylor. I've seen the strong Taylor. I've seen Taylor play 50 plus games in a row. You've seen everything. Um, you've seen him struggle. You've seen him had success, all that stuff. He actually was a kid that was recruited from Moeller High School, successful high school in, in Cincinnati. And all he did was play second base the whole time he was in at, at Moeller High School. Then he comes to the division one program and all he's done for us is play shortstop. So the growth that he's had there, um, I have to give Taylor a ton of credit because in 22 last year, he had a wrist injury and didn't really tell anybody about it. And he just gutted his way through it. A lot of guys would have, you know, asked to come out of the lineup or maybe talk to the trainer, little stuff like that. Not Taylor. He wanted to play, wanted to play. And what you saw with that, he was trying to do too much and he wasn't 100%. So him now being healthy, he had a monster year in 21. He's going to have a monster year in 23. But a veteran guy that's been there, done that. I think his first game, if the math was right, he actually opened up in Hoover. Now his last season, he's going to open up back in Hoover. So it kind of goes full circle there. But when you have a guy that's at shortstop, an extremely important position in the baseball field, and a veteran guy that gets it and can slow the game down. And then now you're seeing the maturity of him helping out a young guy like Cooper Vance, helping out another young guy like Evan Sines, Corey Taylor, guy up the Miller, uh, uh, middle, um, Glenn Miller too, as well. Just with the experience, you get the at-bats. There's nothing he hasn't seen in this game. And, um, you know, we're very fortunate he's back for the fifth year. And like you said, a four-year starting shortstop returner. You'll never hear that again outside of this this COVID era that we're in. You know, to Coach Creighton, to make a comparison to your program, he talks all the time about, you know, when he first started, there was guys on the roster that experienced nothing but losing. And then they went through a phase where there's guys that you get that taste of winning and then that turns into more motivation. And then you finally reach that culmination of getting to the bowl games and getting there. And then you try to avoid as a coach getting to the point where it's great if you've won so much, but then do people are, how do you keep people hungry? It seems like your program has taken a step every single year that you've been here. Last year was the best one yet in terms of rattling off some big wins, getting some momentum, uh, not quite getting to the MAC tournament, but but in that hunt all year long. From your perspective, do you feel like you guys are going into this year kind of at that that perfect sweet spot of it's a winning culture that's being established. We've got guys, though, they're still really hungry because they've tasted it. Now they want to go the, the extra mile to get it done and get to uh, the Mid-American Conference Tournament. You're absolutely right. When you, when you talk about the program, you're building the foundation. If you don't build that strong foundation, it's hard to add other layers on top of it. Last year, we didn't have enough returning pitchers. Did what we could to get after it, but we made that an emphasis in the recruiting process. Hey, we got to be stronger on the mound and more depth um, with that there. You mentioned tasting it. It's got to be tangible, right? It's got to be organic. They have to taste the winning. You can talk about it as a coach until you're blue in the face, but they have to experience it. I love it when we get challenged in a game and we have the lead and then lose it late and then come back with that, that win late in the game. Because that right there means more than any type of message a coach can send, but they can kind of see, hey guys, we can do this, right? We're not out of the fight. We can get that victory. Saw a little bit last year. You saw it against Bowling Green. We got an extra inning uh, walk-off hit by Danny Workington, some other things. But I think it's really important for them to taste the success. They have to see the success. And we put a huge emphasis on that in the recruiting process. Now with the transfer portal, we can basically recruit any kid in the country out of our fingertips, right? You've got the stats, you got the video, you can make up the calls. Before that, you know, you still make those calls, but those are high school coaches and how, how can you, how credible is that information and in, in kind of going into it? The emphasis going in this year is not only bringing talented players that we've always done, but bringing players who have won. If you wanna build a winning culture, bring in players that have already done that and they know what it takes to win. 
then it's going to hold the other guy accountable as well. And that's what you're seeing with some of our guys. Kyle Schrodel put up monster numbers, but also was at a Division three school that played for championship and had those abilities. Um, uh, Bobby Jones from Xavier, they won a bunch of games. They're competing for championships. And you're seeing that time and time again. All those junior college guys, Blake McCray, he played in the, the uh, junior college world series. So you're seeing that with those guys that they're able to experience winning. And then that rubs off on the next guy. I, I it's not just talent. It, it's the right fit, getting the right fit for your guy into the program. And it goes back to, again, getting guys who are winners and doing what it takes to win. Speaking of winners, you had a guy who's done a lot of winning speak to your team not too long ago and Cecil Fielder coming in for your first pitch banquet. And he could sense it. He went to practice able to tell that you guys are on the cusp of doing something really special. When you have somebody like that who's won a World Series championship and can apply his message that, hey, you guys are just right there. Now just go out and execute it. What is that also? Yeah. How cool is that for our program to bring in Cecil Fielder to not only speak at our banquet, but then also come out to practice? Talked to the football coaches. He watched our practice. He talked to our team. Here's a guy that hit 50 home runs one year, led the, led the league in RBIs, home runs, um, done some stuff that not a lot of players that played this game have done. And um, it's, it's really great for our guys because our guys, we're recruiting guys that want to play at the next level. They want to get drafted. They want to play in the big leagues. Well, here's a guy who did it and was really good at it, had over 300 career home runs there. But being able for him to also give his two cents about, hey, that guy's got a pretty good swing. Hey, let's make sure we shorten up a little bit here. Um, it's just exciting. He, he saw it firsthand. Um, and again, it, it's cool to see those guys continue to come in our program and help out. Shows you what type of person Cecil is to take time out of his busy day, flying up from Tampa all the way to Detroit in the middle of the winter to come up here, snows on the ground and help our program means the world to me, my family, and obviously this program. Coach, you, you mentioned that word tasting a lot in your, when you're talking about trying to get some victory. So I've got to ask you, one of Greg and I's favorite part of game day is tasting those great smoothies you guys get pregame. Is the smoothie tradition going to return this year? Is that how, Tell people, first off, how that started. And your team has to earn the smoothies before games. It doesn't just come naturally. They do. So, you know, when you got, we got 35 guys in that locker room, you got some interesting personalities. I love our guys' personalities. They keep you on your toes, right? You'll hear some funny things. Uh, keeps you young, keeps you fresh. It, it actually probably started from Matt Kirk, believe it or not. And um, Matt Kirk was one of those guys, hey, tropical smoothies just down the road. Shoot, makes me think about it. Name, image, likeness. I need to call those guys up and see if we can get a deal or something for one of our guys. Maybe Matt Kirk can be the, the spokesperson for tropical smoothie. But he said, hey, coach, can we get smoothies before the game instead of subs? He kind of threw out this idea. Again, Matt's got an unbelievable personality. Sometimes he'll throw out some ideas that, that stick, and sometimes you may have to, to readjust. But he goes, hey, coach, can we have smoothies before the game instead of subs? I said, Matt, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. The only thing is it's 32 degrees when we're playing some of those conference games. He's like, the guys will love it. The guys will love it. So we did it. We had some fun with it, and we kind of embraced it. Um, you don't have a Twitter handle of turn up the heat if you don't have a little sense of humor. So we embrace the cold and say, all right, it's not cold enough. We're going to drink some smoothies. But we have to win to get the smoothies. So if you don't win, you don't get the smoothies, and then we'll have to get subs. So put something on the line, have some fun with the guys. Um, I like keeping it fresh, too. When you have 18 to 22-year-olds, they like a routine, but they also don't like it to be mundane, right, where you kind of – keep them on their toes a little bit. Believe it or not, it was from Matt Kirk. So we'll, we'll see what Matt Kirk comes up with this year, but you, you better believe that we got two smoothies for you two.
I like it. And if you ever switch to milkshakes, I'll be fine with milkshakes. that as well. Just no chocolate. No chocolate for Greg. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. You put one ring on your finger this year already, hoping for a second one this time maybe with that scripty. I told the boys that earlier. I, I, I almost mentioned it at the dinner, but hey, she got me a ring on my left hand. Now I need the boys to get me a ring on my right hand. There it is, Coach Roof. His team gets underway Friday at 3 o'clock against Northern Kentucky, and it is a good time to remind everybody, for the first time ever, yes, you can listen and watch the games. Greg and I will be down in Alabama. We're doing it a little bit smarter. Coach Roof is about to get on a bus and head down. Greg and I have uh, booked our plane tickets, and we will meet them in <laughs> Alabama. But you can watch uh, coverage starting about 15 minutes before first pitch on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So we wish them all the best. You're listening to the Eastern Insider Podcast. Hey, Eastern Insider fans. If you need a place to stay when you're in town, make sure it's the Holiday Inn Express and Suites University South. Our guests home away from home for only $119 a night plus tax. Each year, the MU Baseball Program kicks off its season with its annual leadoff dinner, and the night of celebration and fundraising for the program is highlighted by a great keynote speaker. This year's event was held on January 28th and featured legendary Major League Baseball veteran Cecil Fielder. Fielder, a 14-year Major League Baseball veteran, had stints with the Toronto Blue Jays, Detroit Tigers, New York Yankees, Anaheim Angels, and Cleveland Indians. A three-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger, two-time American League Home Run Leader, and three-time American League RBI Champion, Fielder is one of the most recognizable players of his era. He's the only Tiger to ever hit a home run over the left field roof of Tiger Stadium and finished his career with 319 home runs, 1,008 RBIs, and a 1996 World Series title. The following audio is just a portion of Fielder's keynote speech from this year's event. To watch his full speech and the rest of the festivities from the night, search EMU Athletics on YouTube. The following segment may contain language that some deem sensitive. The Eastern Insider Podcast does not condone the use of profanity. And I just worked. I just worked as hard as I could. I played baseball when I was in eight, like eight, nine years old. But as a junior in high school, I started playing baseball again. I was like, I can do this, you know. My coach, John Romano, I still talk to him this day, my high school coach. We had no lights on our field. Now, this is back when you, you know, you young men have had great ballparks and all that you probably played at when you were in high school. But we had a little light behind home plate. I'd stand at home plate in the dark with that little light, and he'd throw me balls in the dark, and I'd try to hit them. Now, that, my friend, took some focus to try to hit the ball in the dark. And I did that every single day that I was in baseball season. I would hit at that stadium. When everybody else was gone, this little Italian man would be out there throwing me batting practice. And I'm telling you, I took that work ethic with me from high school, and I generated that as I became a major, uh, major league player, but also in the minor leagues. I didn't stay in the minor leagues long. I played A-ball, double-A, and I was called to the big leagues, Ju July 9th, 1985. So I played two and a half years of minor league baseball and I was in the big leagues. But the work ethic, the commitment, I always talk about how people talk about Michael Jordan and how he gave pretty much everything he had. He, I think Mike, and I, I'm gonna say this because I, I think I know this, Mike, really gave up his family for his family, meaning that the NBA family, the Chicago Bull family was his real family. That was the number one thing in his life. And still to this day, he probably say the same thing because he was so committed 
to winning. He didn't lose either. He won a lot. But I told him he should have never put on a baseball uniform. It was disgusting. <laughs> but to the players, that, that, that's the commitment it takes. If you really want to be who you think you want to be, you got to burn the midnight oil. You think you can, you can. You think you can't, you can. You're right. But if you want to be somebody in this game, it's going to take more than you just putting on the uniform and going to practice. You're going to have to do something extra. You got to find a way to, to be better than the guy that you're going to face today. You got to find a way to be better than the guy you're going to face tomorrow. Because this cycle of baseball isn't a once a week game, this is an everyday game. You got to figure it out. You know, I told my son the other day, and this is just how I like to, to, to explain it to my son, who's going to be an 18 year old in March. It's, and in two months, you're going to be a grown-ass man. Now, when I was 18, my mom told me to get out. And her door was one way in, one way out. And once you leave, you ain't coming back. I took that to heart because I believed my mama. My mama was old school. She didn't play either. She didn't play. I got more whippings, I think, when I was a kid. than I don't know why. I wasn't that bad a kid, but I got my ass towed up. <laughs> but it made me a better person, you know? I got an ass whooping and made me a better person. But I think, you know, me as a player, I look back on them days when I played, and I think the one thing that, I mean, made me just do everything I could to be successful was that I didn't want to disappoint my mother. I still feel that way. Everything I do is all about my mother. You know, every time I turn around, you know, she's on the telephone. I'm talking to her pretty much every day. And that, to me, uh, was my driving force. Because at the end of the day, once you do so many things and you're doing it well, you know, you got to have something that makes a, you keep going. You know, even when I won the World Series, I thought that was going to be it. But baseball keeps churning the body. You, you wanted that camaraderie, that, that competition, that I, I, I yearned for that. I yearned to see Kirby Puckett on the other side, and I yearned to beat him. You know, I wanted to beat him. I had great friends in the game of baseball that were on other teams. But, you know, we were great friends outside the lines. Once we got in the lines, he was my enemy. I was going to beat him. I was going to find a way. And I think that's how life is. It's not always about winning, but it's about the competition. You got to compete. Every single day it's a competition. You know, I get up in the morning, I tell my wife this every day. You know, why do you, why do you get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and, and, and start the coffee machine? I said, well... Sometimes I can't sleep. You know, you get old, you start waking up early. <laughs> but sometimes I need that little time to just sit there and think about things by myself. Because sometimes, you know, there's so many people, and, and, and young men, you got to understand this. There's so many people that are here for you, that think about you on a daily basis that you don't even understand. Your mother and father, to the day you die, are going to be thinking about you. And you have to understand, I told my son this, and I tell you, I, I talk to my son a lot like my mother and father talk to me. I said, son, 
you have to show appreciation sometime. You know, I said, your mother and I and your stepmother, we do everything for you to give you the opportunity to be successful. And that's all I can give you because I can't go play for you. I can't go out there and, and make the hit. I can't make the tackle. You got to do that on your own. And it's nobody else's fault anymore. Because at 18, you're grown. It's on you. And I look at my son as I, you know, was coming up. And we're about the same. He's a little bigger than me. He's a big guy. But at the end of the day, these kids, at least my kids, uh, have an opportunity more than others, I should say, because of the fact. You know, I... You know, you go, we talk about Prince. I mean, the kid was, the kid was running around at Tiger Stadium with these two boys here when they were, you know, eight, nine, ten years old. I mean, that, that's a privilege. But you got to respect that privilege. You guys are getting an opportunity to play in college. It's a privilege. You know, this isn't something that was given to you. You earned it. But again, for you to be able to go to the next level, you got to keep yearning to get better. Parents, boosters, presidents, everybody in this room, I don't care who you are. If you ain't getting better, you ain't doing it right. If you ain't getting better, you're not doing it right. Because what? Life is more than just today. It's the future. It's you guys growing up to be strong young men. More to me, that means more to me that my, my young kids become big, strong men than it is for them to, they don't have to. If he makes it, he makes it. But if he doesn't hate, so what? But he's gonna be a man. He's gonna be able to take care of his family. He's gonna be able to go on and be a successful person because of the fact that you ain't, I, I ain't giving you everything. I'm gonna give you the opportunity to be successful. You gotta earn it yourself because that's the way I was raised. I was raised, if you don't want it, I ain't giving it to you. And that's the way I think our young kids should be raised today. You guys got to, you get the opportunity to be successful, you got to keep making strides to get better. And that goes for everybody in this room. We all got to get better. No matter if it's in life, no matter if it's in sports, we're going to have to get better because that's what it's all about. We got to help somebody. I love the fact that Eric said you guys are in the community. I was big on that. I was big on that because I felt that my community here in Detroit, I mean, these folks, they love me to death. You know, I did a lot of stuff here that, you know, you don't have to always, you know, s s tell people what you do, but you do it because you want to do it. You know, <laughs> I remember one year Willie Horton was running the uh, police athletic league and the kids running around with the police athletic league and, Willie says, son, he always called me son. He called me son to this day. He said, son, I need some baseball equipment. Said, okay, what you need, Willie? Oh, I need gloves, basketball, I need anything. So I had opportunity. I was with Pony at the time. Well, Pony just brought a truckload of stuff and gave it to him. So those are the type of things that, that makes me feel good because, number one, I was one of those kids before. I was one of those kids that probably needed a glove, needed a pair of shoes, needed a baseball bat. Those are the things that I feel so good about. You know, and I tell people all the time, if it wasn't for me playing here in Detroit and getting an opportunity to go to New York and play, you know, 
I don't know if I, I would have been fulfilled if I didn't have an opportunity to play for a World Series ring. You know, that's what we play for. You know, that's that's the ultimate goal. So when I get to New York, which was a shock that I went to New York anyway, uh, my teammates, it was unbelievable because the, the players we had. So we had me and Tina Martinez at first base. We had Pat Kelly and Mariano, Mariano Duncan at second. The kid Jeter at short, Wade Boggs Hall of Famer. Grandma called him Licker, Licker Hayes at third. Tim Raines Hall of Famer in left. Daryl Strawberry out there, Bernie Williams, Paul O'Neill, uh, Joe Girardi catching, Jorge Posada catching, Dwight Gooden, David Cohn, Andy Petty. I mean, you name it, come on. We were the best team in baseball. We played like it too. And I think that was, a thing that, you know, over the course of that year that we worked on, and we said, if we play today, we win today. That's it. So if we won for six innings, right, if we were leading in six innings, seven, eight, Mariano Duncan, ninth inning, Wetland, game's over. Game's over. So you figure we go, and the team that we played in the World Series – the Atlanta Braves, they have three Hall of Fame pitchers on that team. You know, <laughs> you got Maddox, you got Smoltz, and you got Glavin. But again, they they went up on us. They beat us the first two games of the series. And Mr. Steinberger says, <laughs> comes and talks to Joe uh, Torrey and says, ah, just bring the broom out. They're going to sweep us. Joe tells Mr. Steinberg to know, we're going to go to Atlanta and we're going to win three and come back home and win game six. And that's exactly how it went down. And the reason that I say that is because that team believed. And, you know, I've played a lot of baseball and I've been on some bad teams. And I always felt that I believed every day that we were going to have an opportunity to win. But that Yankee team was just so different. Every individual on that team knew exactly what they were supposed to do. And I was talking to the young men earlier today, and that's a really big part of success. If your team can understand at each position, each position ordered in the batting lineup, each position on the field, if they know exactly what they're supposed to do, that team is going to be better. Um, it's just going to be better. And we had that type of team. We had this kid at shortstop. I said that he probably had the ugliest swing that I ever seen in my life. But that was 34 hits later, and he's in the Hall of Fame. So this game is, is such an incredible, incredible game because it's so much different than the other sports. This is the only game that I know of that you can fail and be successful. You know, there's not a lot of things in life that you can be three out of ten and, and be a superstar. There's just not a lot of things you can do. So at the end of the day, gentlemen, and I, I love talking to the players and I love speaking to the kids to, to give them that motivation to be better. I think that's a big part of uh, – what I've been able to do over the course of my career once I left the field, just the, <clears throat> excuse me, just the conversations that I've been able to have with so many kids, 
you know, so many kids that were, you know, 17, 18 years old that used to come to the gym and hit with me and were able to get to the big leagues. You know, I told folks all the time, them kids, if you can't come sit down with me and talk baseball and get a little bit of knowledge, that's your fault. Because I'm here for you. If you want, if you if you really want to know what it's going to take to get you to that next level, I'm here for you. And I think you know what Eric has been able to get going here. What I seen out on the field uh, in the bubble today was is that these kids got that burning desire. You can tell. You can tell when the kid really wants to play the game of baseball. You can tell that a kid just don't want to put their uniform on. I I used to tell all <laughs> you know in Toronto they was they were big on. How, how people looked in the uniform. We had, you know, we had great looking guys. I said, man, that uniform don't do nothing. That uniform don't hit. That uniform don't do nothing but get dirty. And if that's what you're looking for, you got the wrong one. Cause I don't look good in the uniform. I can't make it look good. And you know what? I just can't. But I'm gonna tell you what, that picture out on that bump gonna know who's here. I'm gonna make sure he knows I'm in the building. And that's what it's all about. It's all about going out there and competing. And one thing that I can give you, gentlemen, before I leave this dais is, is that if you want to be a Major League Baseball player, you got to do the extra. You got to burn that midnight oil. You got to do the get on that tee, figure it out, keep those hands inside the ball, hit that ball up the middle, drive in that little two-out base hit, that run. You got to do the little things. The big things are going to happen. You know, I used to tell people all the time, we play 162 games. I can't hit a home run every day, but I can try to get a ribby every day. I tried a couple times. I almost made it a couple times, but it's hard to do, but I tried. But that's the thing. If you ain't trying, and uh, there was a saying, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. But we had a lot of guys cheating. <laughs> and we still got a lot of guys cheating. They trying to get to that hall. They cheating. But it's all good. You can cheat if that's what you got to do. I ain't mad at you. But, boy, I tell you, some bodies changed when that Mitchell report came out. Lord have mercy. I tell you one quick story that I would get out of here because I – so I had a kid, Calix Crab, who hit with me uh, down in Atlanta when I was living in Atlanta. So he, 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 had, he had started out playing with Prince in Milwaukee. And he got traded to uh, the San Diego Padres. So uh, he he was with me, and uh, he 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 really was hitting the ball well. So he went into spring training, and he made the team in spring training. So me and a couple friends flew out to San Diego. This is his first big league game. So we flew out there with Calix, and uh, Calix. Uh, is doing his business outside. And I see this guy running across the field coming to see me. And I'm like, who the heck is this? It was Jeff Bagwell. He was about four sizes smaller. I said, what the hell happened to you? <laughs> Again, you know, it ain't my business, but I'm just saying. It ain't my business, I'm just saying. But again, I, I, I just want to say thank you. I, I wanted to come because, you know, Gene, Gino Roof is a big part of my success in Detroit. Uh, this guy, every time I asked him to get on the bump and throw me bat in practice, uh, he was always there for me. Uh, these two kids, I mean, 
they ran around my son more than I ran with my son back in them days. He was always around each other. So this was important for me to be here. These kids, they go out there and they do what they got to do every single day, just like them guys do on the football field. And I think a lot of times baseball gets overlooked. But again, this program is going somewhere. And I'm going to tell you, just like Dion said, we coming. Printing since 1903, Standard Printing is a one-stop solution for all your signs, apparel, mailings, and more. Check out their promotional product storefront, free design tools, and convenient online ordering at ipsystandard.com. Gene Smith joined the EMU Athletic Department in 1983, was named the Interim Executive Athletic Director in 1985, and became the Athletic Director in 1986. During his EMU tenure, he oversaw the 1987 football team that won a MAC championship and claimed a victory in the California Bowl and directed the $13 million renovation of Rynearson Stadium. He also watched the EMU men's basketball team win the MAC title in 1987 and 1991 and make the NCAA tournament both years, making it to the Sweet 16 in 1991. Also, the Director of Athletics went EMU won two Reese trophies as the top men's athletic program in the MAC. Smith left EMU in 1993 to become the athletic director at Iowa State University before serving as the athletic director at Arizona State and now at Ohio State University. For his efforts, Smith was inducted into the E-Club Athletic Hall of Fame in 2013. This has been a Black History Minute brought to you by the Eastern Insider Podcast. Join us throughout the month of February as we celebrate the black student-athletes, coaches, and administrators who have helped and continue to make Eastern Michigan University so special. This has been another edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast, powered by Learfield. Tune in every Monday for new episodes all year long. And don't forget to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts for all of our episodes on demand.